Hey, hey, it's Kaz from the Heavy Rock Show here in London, and you're listening to the Hook Rocks Podcast. Everybody, it is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. I hope you're doing well, staying safe, and now, of course, staying warm during mm-hmm. these times. It is a uh, cold front across the whole country. It seems like the whole country has been experiencing some odd weather over the past few weeks. I know, gosh, like three weeks ago, Malibu had some snow, which was amazing. And now you're looking at the news and you're watching places like Texas be uh, under a disaster because of various reasons but spring is a month away just keep thinking that Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, you will uh, hopefully get through this this ordeal and then of course once that's over we still have the wonderful COVID-19 pandemic to still deal with but we like to be an escape for you talking music talking new bands we'd like to welcome in our next guest Mavis Turner from the Dead Dez. What's going on, Mavis? How are you? Oh, I'm I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I know uh, you've had a, a a fun morning with your pottery class, and I've had a boring <laughs> morning staring out the window into the cold. So let's talk some music. <laughs> yes, let's do it. So we always start the same way every time we have a new guest on the podcast, and that's the essence of the show. Just like every rock song has a hook. That sucks you in. Every Uh rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Oh, my. Um, It's hard to say, but I'll just pick one. Um, I think going to uh, Lucy's Record Shop here in Nashville, which was an all-ages punk rock club, and seeing probably the band Fun Girls from Mount Pilot, um, which is kind of a just crazy um, punk rock and they would dress in drag and, and just had the craziest shows and so much energy and it was just so much fun. It drew me in. And how old were you when that happened? I don't know, maybe 14, 15, something like that. Was there a particular band or music that drew you in or was it just the the experience? I think it was the it both. I mean, it was definitely the experience. I like other things, and so I wasn't. I, it didn't just make me laser focus on, you know, crazy punk rock bands only and drag. <laughs> um, but that particular band, and especially the front man, um, he, he like they they were just really incredible. 
Um, and it's kind of one of those things. Those of us who grew up that got to experience them during those few years all agree <laughs> they were the best. <laughs> um, this was way back in the 90s. So, but yeah, it just, it, it, that kind of a place is like it creates a scene too. So then you're drawn into, you make friends and, and, and eventually like I can do this and, you know, make your own bands and stuff. So that's great. Now, growing up in Nashville and in around, you know, music city, obviously there's a huge country presence. Was it the, <laughs> the difference in style of music that really attracted you? Because, you know, I, I imagine I've, well, I've been to Nashville country is basically everywhere there. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. So in my experience, country wasn't everywhere I guess it was but I didn't go to country music punk rock shows <laughs> you know like I didn't go I guess I would be like a singer songwriter night or something um, like small free or like five dollar cover kind of shows um, so I didn't really experience all the country music because I wasn't into it um, and so most of my music experience in Nashville has been just rock stuff um, but I think that's just because that's what I seek out. I know being in, you know, going to Nashville in the past, like First Avenue and Broadway, such a fun area, you know, where there's just music. Oh, yeah, the hockey talk. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just, um, it's a fun place to see music. And it's not just country. You can walk into any club on a given night, and there could be rock, there could be blues. It's it's quite an eclectic um, style of music or taste of music that each, you know, club can offer you uh, when yeah. you're just strolling down the street. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it could even be from hour to hour. Um, it's whoever they've got on the stage. Um, you know, they've got they've got just the best musicians in the world down there on Broadway. It's not really 24-7, but it feels like it. it's like it's all day, all night. Um, and it's some of the best music, even genres, like speaking of country, like I'm not a country music fan, but it's so much fun to go down there and, and watch these amazing musicians just kicking ass up there in whatever genre, you know, the fiddle players just lighting it up on fire, you know. So, yeah, great. So where did it go from there? At the age of 14, you had this experience. When did you want to play an instrument and when did you want to be in a band? At that point, I was already playing. I already played piano and I was playing trumpet in the high school band and, and stuff. And um, so I already did play music. Um, the different genre. Um, I don't know. I had friends in bands, and I guess that that sort of put the idea that I would do that. Um, but I really didn't pursue it until many years later. Uh, the lead singer of the Dead Dead, Meta Dead, um, she just reached out. Um, she was doing like a solo thing, but then found out she was on bill with a bunch of punk rock bands, <laughs> and so she didn't really want to do just her singer songwriter thing with that and asked if I could possibly learn bass real quick <laughs> for a gig that's happening in a month and we could just write some songs and do a thing and I did I was able to and we had so much fun that we kept it up what about writing music I mean there's the evolution of the artist and you go mm-hmm. from being introduced to music being introduced to a genre that captivates you uh picking up an instrument playing in a band and then writing music was there any type of song or artist that inspired you to write music whether instrumentally or lyrically 
Um, actually, no, I can't say that there is. Aside from maybe like classical piano stuff, like Satie, um, I guess is pretty influential in those silly little songs that I write <laughs> um, for just for fun at home. Um, and I guess I've always done that. But as far as for like songwriting for mass consumption or even consumption of your 12 friends, um, I can't say. Aside from just all the rock music that's on the radio stations and stuff, just kind of as a whole, um, I've listened to music and I always have almost constantly. So it's hard to pick out. I can't say like that I heard a song <clears throat> or a particular artist and just was like, Yes, now I want to do that. Um, it's just been a part of my life my whole life. As far as the band, uh, what is the mm-hmm. history of the Dead Deads? Uh, it, well, the Genesis is, I kind of uh, described that already. Um, and so we just ended up, again, we were doing it just at one way. It was it was just almost just like a special project. (laughs) Can we do this one gig? And then in the course of that decided we wanted to keep doing that and writing original songs and, um, you know, got some more people involved. And then I think our biggest goal at first was to, uh, you know, just play a show to open for one of our friends' bands at one of the tiny places here in Nashville. And, And that was, that was success. Um, and we, and then we did that and then we booked another show, booked another show and long story short, then we went on, went on tour with Hailstorm <laughs> like a year later, <laughs> um, through a series of happenstances and that got us on tour. Um, and, and that's just like a whole nother level of things between, you know, figuring merch out. We had to go in the studio and record a CD to sell at the shows. And um, just tour life and and meeting all the fans and autographing and all that kind of stuff. And so then we got our sea legs with that and and have gotten lots of tours of really cool, with really cool bands Um, like Hailstorm Again, Stone Sour, um, Bush, Seether, Chevelle. Um, Yeah, so it's, it's been pretty amazing. And then we've had the opportunity to play on some of those cruises. So we went on the motorboat cruise with Lemmy. Um, that was his last one. And uh, that was also along with like Slayer, Anthrax, Suicidal Tendencies, um, and some other like uh, Crobot um, that we met. And then what was it Shiprock? We, um, that's with like Helmet. And now I can't remember which all band, like Five Figure Death Points, just all the bands. <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> Well, that has to be quite an experience because it doesn't sound like you guys were were together long before you started to receive this this success. Yeah, no, we weren't. <laughs> we were really, um, I guess, lucky, right place, right time, and and you know, just were ready for it. I guess at the moment, so yeah, it's really cool. As far as the band goes and, and recording music and collaborating with each other, I'm sure you guys all have similar influences, but also different influences. And how do you merge mm-hmm. all that stuff together? We don't really think about that very much. Uh, sometimes, like when we're starting to write a song, we all write a song in the room, just the three of us together. 
and um, the process is like one of us starts playing something and then somebody else joins in. Um, most typically, I guess it's like me just playing a bass line or something and then drummer or drummer McQueen, she does a beat. And what's neat is that I might be hearing one thing in my, I might not be hearing any beat whatsoever, but other times I might hear a beat in my head, but then she'll come in with a whole different beat. And that's really exciting, you know, to be creating something that's outside of even like what you're taking, what was in your imagination and improving on that. And then Meadow will, you know, start making guitar sounds, whales or whatever, and then start singing and, it all happens very organically. Sometimes we will say like, let's do a song that's like this other song just to get our fingers moving and our brains moving. But we definitely don't think, don't um, pay that much attention to genre. Does it, so it happens kind of seamlessly, right? You kind of just take mm-hmm. what each other gives you and, and um, you, yeah. know, you just record and you play and you figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, it's fun. As far as writing music, you know, I mean, are you guys, do you guys write about experiences or do you write about observations? What, where does that come from with you guys? Uh, the lyrics, uh, for the most part, um, Meta does those. There's a couple songs I've contributed some lyrics to. Um, though, so I, to speak um, on one of those, I had watched a C-SPAN program about <laughs> um, atomic testing and um, learn like it, there was just some kind of like crazy fun facts. For instance, back then they would ask, they had like a tooth drive where they asked kids in St. Louis to um, like mail in their baby teeth instead of sending them to the tooth fairy so that they could measure um, the radiation that was still there. And even into like the 60s and 70s, there was still evidence of the nuclear blast from like the 40s and 50s um and that blew my mind so i wrote a song about it (laughs) was that in new mexico right yeah most of those were out in new mexico so so we were talking about the fallout all the way out to st louis and and that's the only place they really tested it so can't say that that was the outer edge because they didn't ask for baby teeth from all the children of the country just (laughs) But it went at least as far as St. Louis and for decades. Wow. Yeah. yeah Interesting. Crazy. We are not just <laughs> the music. Kind of disturbing. Disturbing we're, to imagine all those baby teeth. <laughs> we're, we're not just the music podcast, folks. We do have an educational <laughs> focus on some episodes. And today's episode, we are focusing on the nuclear blasts in right. the 1940s. <laughs> So it doesn't, our lyrics aren't always that esoteric, but sometimes they go there. Um, the ones that, that Meta does, um, a lot of it, um, is, is influenced, if not intentionally, is definitely influenced by, you know, books that she's recently read. We were together in a group of a book club, um, there for a couple of years and as book clubs do, it kind of just fizzled out, but there for a while you could tell like what books and I can, you can even go back now and be like what book it was that we were reading around the time she wrote those lyrics. Um, but there's, you know, always personal stuff. And I think she often says every song is a love song. So I guess I'll, I'll say that on her behalf. As far as last year goes, 2020, a lot of things had to be put on pause, including music, including 
plans that artists and bands had from every genre. Mm -hmm. What was the experience like for you guys? Um, we had, well, we had about a year ago, we had just finished getting out of the studio for all the instrument parts, at least. Um, we, we lacked the vocals still, but basically had recorded everything right about now. And then a couple weeks later, um, it, you know, all the COVID stuff became real, you know, or it hit the U.S. shores anyway. Um, and so that on the, the record side, it gave us more time in particular on the vocals to dial in those performances. And so it took a little uh, of the pressure off for deadlines. <laughs> like there is no deadline anymore. Um, we also had a big tour with the darkness who we were on the kiss cruise with. I, I don't think I mentioned earlier, had a really great time with them. And we were about to go on this really amazing North American tour. And, and then we had to cancel that. So it's pretty disappointing. Fortunately, we learned about it in time that we hadn't sunk a bunch of money into all the t-shirts they have to buy or renting, you know, equipment and stuff. Um, but yeah, then it just was like a big, a, a big question mark. Uh, you probably remember a year ago when, when they were taking down tours, they were already, they were immediately rescheduling them for like October and November. Um, and then those quickly got pushed off to around now, January into 2021. And, and then festivals started coming down. So we don't, we still kind of don't know. Feeling optimistic about being able to, to put something out by the end of the year. But we, as, as you do, um, you like to tie it to a tour. So we're hoping to, you know, get ourselves a, a nice tour with a cool band. Hopefully the darkness again, but, you know, whoever's going on tour and can take us um, and put our stuff out then. What was it like for you guys in ter terms of creativity? You mentioned that you kind of had things recorded for a new album and mm -hmm. obviously you paused it you delayed the the release of it a lot mm -hmm. of bands did that a lot of bands you know also went forward with it with you know just a different perspective on things but yeah. in terms of just kind of doing nothing or not doing the normal things that you guys are used to what was mm -hmm. what were the, those months Gosh, we're almost at a year. I mean, it'll be a year yeah. in, a, in, a, in a couple of weeks. What was we that really like? are, yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of, um, it's hard to say. I guess like all of us, like we, you're suddenly isolated. We couldn't rehearse um, or get together. We eventually did, but especially early on because they it was just so unknown what you could do or what the parameters were. Um, and... So yeah, we didn't we didn't see each other I think for probably six months, and then we finally, you know, you get the testing in place, and around here it's it's pretty easy, it's free, and except for certain times like around Thanksgiving time, the lines got really long, but those so part you can just kind of pop in and get a test, and so once that kind of stuff was established, I know we then were like, okay, I think we're safe. <laughs> we kept pushing it back. Actually, that was a thing where you would have where you maybe did, did a risky thing, like go, go out in public and then realize, Oh, we probably shouldn't rehearse cause I might have it. I don't know. So it, there was all that kind of thing going on just like with everybody, I guess. Did you find Does yourself, well, did you find yourself struggling with being creative? I mean, obviously you had to isolate yourselves. Um, it's, mm. it's a different experience than 
anyone's ever dealt with. Um, you know, what was your creative process? Were you able to kind of tap into that well of creativity? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I'd say for me, um, since we had just come off of a big writing glut and then having to pick through songs and, and work those, we had just been very creative. Um, and so I didn't necessarily feel immediately like a, about a year ago, I didn't feel like ah, I need to keep doing this. Cause you just, it's like, we basically just birthed a baby. So you don't immediately like, I need to birth another baby. <laughs> you're, you're what you kind of have done a lot of that and tapped into a lot of things already. Um, but I also didn't feel creative. I, I guess it, I felt kind of numb and not super depressed or maybe not as depressed as I saw some other people, but, really just I didn't feel creative um for a while when we eventually got back together and we were able to like rehearse and stuff and we could we could write I wrote like a song or two but I honestly there for a couple months I don't think I even touched my instruments I mean I was glued to the tv and and then just freaked out you know well I imagine it is difficult to be creative when you're not living the life that you know and you're not experiencing new things on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's almost like it's Groundhog Day every day. You know, you wake up, you do the same thing, and it's and it's really hard for some people, for a lot of people, to who to who are normally creative to be creative and write songs and be artistic. Yeah, I I'm I guess I'm I'm kinda like that. I I work better if there's at least some sort of deadline. Um, or something I'm working toward. And so it's not necessarily a deadline out, out of procrastination, just that there is, um, say, like a show coming up and we're writing a song, you know, that there's I'm motivated to get it, like to learn that song or to write it out and, and flesh it out in time for that show that's in two weeks or something. And so there's that kind of a motivation. Um, but then with this, it's been unknown when we're going to go back to normal um and we you know there haven't been particular shows i could have given myself i guess the deadlines of like i'm gonna do this and then i'm gonna perform it on instagram for everybody <laughs> but um yeah it, it, it has been kind of hard getting some traction on, on that kind of thing when you guys were able to start playing again and come out of isolation you know and, and kind of reintroduce yourselves to your music and your instruments Mm -hmm. you know was there a was there a struggle to kind of recapture the energy or was it just kind of like riding a bike and once you start playing it it just it happens again it was very much like riding a bike i we were worried um not only um for just the memory stuff um, it's also the length of time we did a, a, a holiday show and we actually went to Las Vegas and, and recorded it with a whole light show. It was really awesome. And, um, so before that we had to rehearse up and, and get, um, tight. And I, you know, it, it's, it's one thing to just play through the songs, sitting down at home here and there, but it's another to be standing, jumping in heels, for two hours, you know, <laughs> two hours straight. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was, I was kind of worried that we would have trouble, but now once we got, you know, started rehearsing, it was, it all came right back. 
How about, and we feed off the energy of each other. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's important, too, you know. And, and I also mm-hmm. imagine once you're reintroducing yourselves to your music and also reintroducing yourselves to your bandmates, there is mm-hmm. a little bit more enthusiasm that maybe being on tour, playing night after night, kind of does get monotonous. Maybe this yeah. uh, was a re- rejuvenation that your band needed and a lot of bands needed. Yeah, for sure. Even just, you know, each other's personalities and attitudes and stuff. Um, or even like, oh, that's cute outfit. Like, there's so many things you, you take for granted. <laughs> and then you're around people and suddenly you're like, oh, wow, the people are neat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, that's so true, especially... You know, because it, it doesn't feel like a long time, but it does feel, or, or it is a long time. I mean, a year uh-huh. to do something like this and have different experiences and not live your life like you normally would, um, it is difficult. It is difficult to kind of get back into normalcy and, and have or see what the impact is on being isolated forever, how long that you were. It affects you know your creativity. And then my next question is, is that when you started to write music again, did you feel that the effects of the pandemic were in the tone of your music? Mm, I don't, I, I would have to say no, I don't think so. It felt like when we were doing it, it's more like we've escaped. We're not in the pandemic here for a few hours and we're back to old, like, yeah, like it wasn't in our minds in that space. If that makes sense. No, and also, yeah. I, I don't necessarily, and then lyrically, I don't know what, it, I think we've written a, a, a song or two because we were mostly just rehearsing up our older ones. But I don't know that lyrically we'll go too deep into pandemic stuff just because I think we all know, <laughs> we all experience so it's not, I, and, and we don't necessarily want to remember it that much. Um <laughs> Not that we want to forget, but it's just, it's not, it's, I don't know how poignant it's going to be. <laughs> well, it was more about like the tone of the music, right? I mean, because yeah. what you deal with in the outside world affects, you know, the color and tone of what you're playing mm-hmm. and what you're writing. And, you know, you may not write about the pandemic experience, but maybe, mm-hmm. maybe the perspective is changed after dealing with something like this and your, your writing and your creativity is more or less kind of skewed to a negative experience. Yeah, possibly. I mean, it's more dystopian stuff like that. I think if anything, maybe not the pandemic um, in particular, but you know, we all, since we've been just stuck at home have been consuming a lot more media in whatever way that is. So um, for me, it's been a lot more TV and movies, but also a lot more um, listening, like, and especially listening to, just records, <laughs> um, rediscovering stuff. And so I think, um, and, and then all of us have, having been doing that for a year, I think it, there probably are some more, um, colors and tones and stuff like you're talking about that we're coming to the table with that we didn't have before. It's interesting that you mentioned about writing about the pandemic, or I've had this discussion before on the podcast about, you know, what movie studio is going to make a movie about the pandemic? And is anybody going to go see it? Because it's no. like, it's like, why do we need to be reminded of what everybody we went knew. through? We all lived through it. We don't have to be reminded yeah. of how much it sucked. Yeah. It's not like, I mean, cause it is interesting and it's history, but we've all been living it minute by minute there at least for a while. I've, I've learned to tune it out, but 
you know, you're just glued to either your phone, all the updates or the TV, some kind of screen. Um, it's not like a war movie or other history where even if you lived through it, you weren't there, there. Um, all of us, <laughs> uh, we're here, here. <laughs> We've lived through this pandemic. So yeah. Yeah. It's like, do I want to sit in a movie theater and eat popcorn for two hours, reminding of, of the crap we all went through for almost a year. You know, it's Yeah, like, and in that case, reminding you of the germs. I, mean, I, yes. I was not a germaphobe, and I don't think I'm going to come out on the other end as a, as a germaphobe, but I'm definitely, we're all going to be a lot more aware. You know, when you hear people coughing and sneezing near you, you're going to think, if aside from COVID, it might be deadly, you're just going to be more aware, like, oh, I'm probably going to be sick now. <laughs> Well, speaking I'm of that, that, yeah, speaking of that, what, you know, how do you guys feel about playing live again? I mean, different states have different regulations and different rules. You know, how do you use that? How does that affect you guys? We, um, well, there, as far as opportunities, there's not a lot of opportunities, although the honky tonks never really stopped. Um, I think the people that work down there would argue with me and tell me they were down for three months or something. But as, what it seems like is that they, never stop for better or for worse. Um, and I think some smaller venues have, especially when the weather was nice in the fall, I went to one show. Um, and I think, you know, there were some of those. Um, I, the only thing I worry about is just having the fans gather, especially in our genre, like with rock, um, you know, you, they want to get close and hear it or take pictures and all get kind of shoulder to shoulder and, and that's part of the rock show experience. Um, and so I'm, I'm more worried about them getting themselves, like spreading amongst themselves than I am necessarily me, I guess, because I, I, I think I'm invincible. If I get it, I'll be fine. But um, yeah, I, I guess I'm okay. If we can have a show, we'll, we'll assess kind of the situation and, and, you know, I guess I hope that everybody takes care of themselves too. Yeah. I just, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how people react and come back. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's I imagine there's going to be a percentage either large or small that are still hesitant to go into a crowd of people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so that's a big question. How people. And they should be. If yeah. they're hesitant because they have a, because they've got a you know, compromised immune system for whatever reason or age. Yeah, you know, stay away at first. I, I want them to come back ASAP too, but I think hopefully they'll be getting the vaccine before us anyway. But um, yeah, if, if everybody uses their their best judgment and is careful, um, then I think especially I don't think it'll be long. I mean, I, I think here in another month or two, like you're saying, spring is around the corner. Um, I think there's going to be shows, small shows. The tours is just a whole other ball game that's going to be really hard to put together um and know for sure because you're doing it six months in advance know for sure that venue in atlanta for instance on that day one will still exist it hasn't gone out of business or two there won't be some kind of local regulations causing you to cancel the show um because covid levels have gone up or something and so it's it's much more of a risk to do those big tours. Yeah, it really is interesting because even when you talk about small clubs and small theaters, right? I, I look, I follow 
sports. I'm a big hockey and baseball fan. Mm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, watching just how crowds are let in and it has to be socially distanced and there's a certain percentage of seats that can be sold. Mm -hmm. And I imagine a lot will apply the same way to concerts. And I also imagine that, unfortunately, some shows will have to be postponed because of COVID levels, like you said, or, Mm -hmm. you know, the crew Someone in the crew yep. got got COVID, and, yep. and so there's going to be a lot of. It's going to be mm-hmm. interesting about how bands, musicians, promoters, you know, cities and concert venues work their way through this because everyone's kind of learning as we go, right? I mean, even though there's yeah. stipulations with a sports game that's in a stadium, it's still a little different than in a in a concert. You know, it's still it's it's maybe it seems the same, but there is a lot of differences you know, with with each, with each event. It is. Um, and, and yeah, there's a huge investment that goes into a tour before, before the first show, (laughs) um, it starts. So it, 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 that's the risk. And that's always a risk with tours. I mean, there's always something that could happen either health wise or, uh, a common one's gear gets stolen. Um, certain levels of bands, you know, if they're in the trailer like us or whatever, and, or just shows get getting canceled for one reason or another. And then you're in the red, you know, you're going to lose money on that tour. If you don't, if you don't play all the shows, basically as part of the planning is like, I need, we need to have 15 shows in order for us to break even or to make money. And so if those 15 shows don't happen, then it's a lot. What about the album? I mean, you sat on this album now for pretty much coming up on a year. Mm-hmm. What's it like to have music that you were proud to release, proud to play, and, and want your fans to hear it and make new fans? Mm-hmm. What's that like, kind of just having that sit uh, collecting dust? Uh, it's. I mean, it's both. It's fun. It's kind of like when you get a get somebody a present and you have to wait to give it to them. <laughs> You're, that's what it feels like. We're holding on to their 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 gift. Because I know the people who are fans of us already, anyway. But we know they're going to really like it. Um, we've also been releasing singles, though, um, as we go. So we have one out right now um, called "Hey Girlfriend," which is a, actually a duet with another girl from Nashville, um, Julia Lauren, and that's really fun. And we have a new single coming out called "Deal with Me," which is a song we've done before, but we re-recorded it and did some cool stuff <laughs> um and it's kind of like a remix you haven't heard the song like this before um and that's coming out march 5th and we'll every couple of months we have enough songs that we can kind of string that out until fall so we're giving them little bits <laughs> but it is hard we're, there's a couple that we're holding back for the record um the I think just so that when they'll, it'll be exciting for them when they listen to the record for the first time, it will be new music for the first couple tracks and then they'll know some of them and then it'll be back to some new stuff. We wanted to save some surprises for them. It has to be kind of like spinning your wheels a little bit. Like you have this new record, you've got this new music and you know, the, the normal process is to release the music, go on tour and just have mm-hmm. that cycle continue. And, and when you have mm-hmm. it and you can't release it and you can't do the tour, it, it almost feels like you, it's, it's tough to move forward as a band. Mm-hmm. And, t- and just in terms of like the vision and 
and you know moving on to the next step and getting to where you want to be in the in fulfilling goals that you have that's got to yeah. be incredibly i can't imagine that it's got to be incredibly frustrating it is it's hard um or even that that all kind of reminded me like on the social media side you know you have you don't have to when you're touring or not even touring when just but when you have shows booked um you sort of have things to talk about um with your social media like this is coming up get your tickets and we're excited and then whatever town that's in you know you eat at this awesome deli or whatever and you talk about that and yeah so we're not really having experiences like that or having things that we're promoting kind of short term so it is it's frustrating but um i think it takes a little bit of the edge off those types of frustrations knowing that everybody is in the same boat um so it's not it, it doesn't feel like like not having any shows on the books I would feel bad about that if everything was up, if there was no pandemic on, I would be like, Oh man, what's going on with us. Um, but understanding why this is the case, it, it doesn't, I, I can't say I feel like really super like angry or negative about it inside my heart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I imagine it's more disappointment than anything. Yeah. Or just, you know, you just got to wait. <laughs> we'll do everything we were going to do. We'll just do it now in 2021 or possibly 22. You know, the great thing is, is that there's going to be so much music and so much for people to see and experience. It's going to be like a big giant festival over the next year or so of people just, you know, releasing Mm -hmm. great music and all the tours and hopefully festivals. And once it does Mm -hmm. come back, it is going to be like a traffic jam. It's going to be like, (laughs) there's going to be shows on like every night, wherever you're at. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be insane. We're going to we're going to look back on these times. Not that we had wished it on anybody ever again, but just like some of the, the calm times, the weeks of doing nothing will sound good again. <laughs> yeah, and I imagine, you know, we always talk about the state of rock and roll on our podcast in, in terms of relevancy, how it's kind of struggled over the last decade, two decades to really kind of gain mm-hmm. traction with a younger audience. But I think with all yeah. this music coming out, and the celebration that will be rock and roll when this all happens, I think it's going to be such a wave of great music that I think it will connect with the young fans. And let's face it, rock and roll survives when there is angst and anger in the youth. And nothing creates tension and angst in a teenager when they're sitting at home every day doing the same thing (laughs) and not a lot, you know, they're not allowed to live their life. So if something good comes out of something bad, I think the resurgence of rock music is right there for everybody. I think so too. And I think sadly, I think it's going to be one of the last things to come back, like the big rock show um, because of all the stuff that we've been talking about other genres, um, like say the hockey tonks, they can, it can be small and, or, or say like jazz or other stuff like that. It can be small and intimate or people can listen and enjoy it. And the experience is, they're sitting down so they can be distanced from each other. But a rock show, you're standing up, you're as close to the stage as you can get, um, and you're sweating, you know, and it's just loud. There's all the equipment. And, yeah, that comes with there's a lot of crew involved. Um, and it's, you don't want to be distant. You, so I think that is going to be one of the last things to come back. And it's going to be it's going to feel so good <laughs> when we can finally do that. 
Well, I, I believe that. When you think mm-hmm. of a rock and roll show, a concert, it is a celebration. It's a it's a feeling. It's excitement. It's adrenaline. And mm-hmm. I, I usually go to, gosh, you know, anywhere from, you know, 20 to 30 shows per year. And I haven't been to a concert since November of 2019. And the last performance I went to was March of last year. I saw Dave Chappelle up in Milwaukee. And I mm-hmm. haven't I haven't seen anyone. I mean, it's like all these concerts that I wanted to go see, they all, of course, got canceled. And now I'm like, you know, do I get, do I have to refinance my mortgage to to get money for all these concerts I want to go to? Basically, yeah. Everybody, I don't know if they thought about that, but they should have been saving back their entertainment budget. Yes, yes. <laughs> they're going to need it. When when the government sends out sends out the fourteen hundred dollar check, that's going to go into my concert fund. Right. Of course, I'm joking. I'm joking. Let's not get upset at that comment, but there's some there's some truth to it. Yeah, I I don't think there's anything to get upset about that for. As far as the future, and obviously there's still a lot of unknown, is there a contingent plan in place for when things do start to open up? Are you, are you guys just still in that wait-and-see approach? Mostly wait-and-see. I think, um, in my mind, I don't know the venues as far as like when they're going to start um, booking stuff, but I kind of, I guess I expect us magically to start receiving emails, um, which we did early on in the pandemic and even a little bit into the summer and fall where people were trying to do smaller shows. We declined um, the offers that we had because it just didn't, we just weren't sure yet. We didn't feel good about it. But I think same thing, like as, as offers kind of come in, we'll see, you know, can, can it be safe? How are they going to manage this? And especially if it's, if it's something local here, um, it'll be really easy for us to just get together and do it. Um, I forget what your question was, but I'm really excited to get back to, to playing shows. Um, and I think, I think it will happen pretty soon. Yeah, I, I believe so too. I mean, the numbers are getting better. Hopefully it's not, you know, a false pretense of people getting more confident. I do think there's going to be a little hesitation, but as people get vaccinated mm-hmm. and as people see that people that places are being safe and yeah. they're taking into account what, what people want to see. I think that's really important. You know, I, I do yeah. think that venues, you know, will either make it or not make it based on how serious they take this. I mean, if you walk into mm-hmm. a club and, you know, they don't have any precautions in place or anything that, you know, could help stop the spread or, or whatever they're doing, I think people are not going to go there anymore. And I think it's really up to the to venue. And I'm sure a lot of bands, too, yep. will have things in their contracts about what needs to happen and what needs to take place whenever they're playing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and each venue is going to have to figure out for themselves. Every venue, one cool thing about touring, um, as you learn, every venue is so different. <laughs> so, yeah, every venue is going to have to figure out with the space that they have, what they can do. Can they go out in the parking lot and do it outdoors? Um, and what that, you know, what that's going to look like. Are they going to put circles on the ground for people or X's or something, um, or chairs, space them out depending. Um, yeah, they'll just have to figure that out for themselves. And then we'll see, you know, what they kind of come to us with as far as how they plan to manage it. <clears throat> and we'll say yes or no based on that. I always laugh when I think about the fights at shows that have been started over someone spilling beer on somebody. 
now, <laughs> now, you know, when someone coughs on the back right. of somebody, what, what's the reaction going to be? <laughs> well, hopefully it's, it's just a allergies cough, but yeah, I just, I, <laughs> I, that'll be interesting yeah. to see what everyone's reaction is. Like when you're crammed into a general admission, you know, show and, and everybody's there and then someone starts coughing and, you know, what's, yeah, I don't know about being, yeah, I don't know about being crammed in. That's one thing. Yeah. I don't know if we need to see that or if that needs to be happening, but yeah, we'll see. Eventually we will. I mean, eventually this will be behind us. Um, so as far as (laughs) one of the topics that we talk about frequently here is the state of rock and roll. And I mentioned previous in this conversation about, the relevancy and you know rock and roll is never going to die it's always going to be there but Mm -hmm. in terms of relevancy it has suffered you know whether it's with you know major acts you know not performing at certain events or whatever example you want to use Mm -hmm. what is the perspective of the dead deads when it comes to the current state of rock music in terms of where it's headed and connecting with a younger audience, which is needed? I think part of it is um, some in in rock, there ends up being a a situation where you have a formula or I guess a subgenre that that happens and it becomes popular based on a band or two and then you get a bunch of copycats and then it's the same thing and then everybody gets bored with it and then somebody else comes along that's, that's new and fresh and um, then people kind of coalesce around that and maybe an, another subgenre is born. Um, and so I guess us, I know that, that we sound not just because we're female fronted, but that's part of it. We, we have a different sound and I think we can kind of punch through some of the monotony, <laughs> um, that can happen within rock. But, um, also, like we were talking about, as far as just the rock show, the live rock show experience, there's, there's nothing like it. Um, and so, you know, once once you experience it, I think, you know, then you have a rock fan for life. So it's, it's a matter of getting them out there. Because if they, they're going to shows, if we're talking about younger people, um, and maybe they, for them, going to shows was, you know, the the typical DJ with a laptop kind of thing. That's really fun too. It's loud. You're with your friends. There's a lot of the same um, elements of a rock show, except for it's just a laptop. You know, there's, there's also just something more literally, both literally and metaphorically electric about a rock show um, because there's the talent on display and there's just more, just the physicality of it. Again, the sweating <laughs> and the moving and jumping and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think it's also just getting them out to experience those, the, that live experience. It's also the anticipation, especially for a band playing in a venue that maybe they haven't played before or a band that's played in that same venue that they're excited to play again or the crowd who's been sitting on tickets for however long and oh, yeah. wanting mm-hmm. to see the, the band that they bought the ticket for live. It just—it's a magical moment. Um, yeah, I th- really think that needs to be celebrated more with rock music, and I really think that a focus needs to be shined on that because other genres, whether it's you know pop music or hip hop or whatever it is, I don't believe that you get the same experience with any it's of those other genres. It's not as dynamic. No, it's not. It's, 
it's not as dynamic for sure. Well, Mavis, it's been a blast. Thank you very much for stopping by and having this chat. I really do appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? You can find us everywhere um, on all the social medias. Actually, not all. We're on the old ones. Uh, <laughs> we're not on TikTok or what's the new clubhouse. We're not on those yet. Um, but, yeah, we're on uh, Twitter, Instagram, a little bit of Facebook, but Twitter and Instagram mostly. The Dead Deads, um, at The Dead Deads. And as far as music, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple, Google, all the places on YouTube, just anywhere. Awesome. Well, Mavis, thank you very much for stopping by. Once yeah. again, everybody, that's Mavis Turner from the Dead Deads. I'm Jay Scott from The Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay warm, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.